Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the short thing here. It is going to be March 11th. Warren and Ryan here with you for another episode. Today we'll talk about the Dak Prescott conference, talk a little bit about the Rangers, their decision uh, to allow fans this week, and then how spring training is going so far. We'll have some FCS football picks for you as well after we're coming off a combined eight and two weekend last weekend. And, yeah, that's what we got on the show today. So hope everybody looks forward to that. And Ryan, one year ago, everyone's doing it. This was the uh, this was the, the the last day of uh, of the sports where full capacity at the for fans. And I was at I was at a game. I was at the U.S. Women's Soccer game in Frisco last year. And while the game was going on, they uh, they the Rudy Gobert had the Rona or was announced he had COVID and everything. And it's been uh, I do. I do think people, and they're like, oh, the world, we, I went here and the world hasn't been the same. Yeah, okay, you don't need to say that. Just like you could say where you're at or what if you're somewhere, but don't be like, who would have thought we would have been in a different. No one thought it, okay? You don't need to say it. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. It's, uh, I honestly don't remember. I'm, I'm assuming I was giving lessons or something at the time when it happened. I was trying to think. I don't remember exactly where I was uh, when the Rudy Gobert stuff came down. I do remember quite vividly. Um, <clears throat> them pulling everybody off the court when they were playing Oklahoma City. That's what I really do remember. Um, but uh, I don't remember exactly where I was. But yeah, it was a, it was a wild time. Jamie and I were just talking about, about it the other day about those first few weeks um, of of when everything was you know quote unquote shut down and how it was just a strange time and we didn't know what the heck was going on. Yeah, and uh, and I got my I started my first TikTok was on March fifteenth. So, uh, so you dove up. right into it. I waited four days, three days, pretty much. <laughs> I waited three days. I waited three days, and then I put a video that I put on Instagram, like on like three days before that. So, yeah, no, I don't waste time uh, on the old uh, on the old TikTok machine. That is uh, for sure. But it is I. I haven't got around to the New York Times article that Mark Stein wrote, but uh, on the NBA being closed. But that was, uh, it seems like it's a good read. It has everybody in the NBA, uh, like execs on the record, Gobert on the record, all that. Um, so sh- that should be pretty, uh, pretty good that I look forward to uh, checking up. But yeah, pretty crazy as we're still here a year, uh, a year later. Well, I didn't start, I, I didn't start working from home till, uh, the 17th. That was the first day. I was the first one, I think at our office to start, uh, working from home. So we're, we're approaching a year on that. Well, you were a couple of days after that, right? Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I was a couple of days after that. Um, I do remember, um, <laughs> right around this time, uh, you, you might've been already. So it was probably after you'd already started working from home. Uh, we had just gotten in the office. It was like seven or seven thirty, and our boss came in and was like, Hey, look, somebody tested positive for the virus that was in the building. If you guys want to leave, you can, you don't have to. And I remember just kind of standing, I was like, bro, like I just drove 45 minutes to get here. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and stick around. And I just, re- I just remember that we had like a big conference in the, in the main room, you know, where all the, where the Island was or whatever. So I, I do remember that, but I think you, again, you, I think you were already gone by that point. And uh, then shortly thereafter, we were, uh, we were all working from home. Yes. Um, it doesn't I sound like know. we're going back. Huh? Doesn't sound like we're going back. No, it, it doesn't sound like we're going back. Um, not, uh, it does not sound like we're going back at all. So that's is a, uh, um, yeah, uh, people just have stopped asking. Yeah, uh, uh, I had a conversation with with him the other day, and I guess they've already repurposed some of the studios that we were using um, for other people. So that would lead me lead me to believe that uh, either a limited amount of people that work in our department are able to go back, or like I said, none at all. But yeah. Uh, I wonder if they do like a rotating thing. If you want to go in for a couple, like one week, you could go in for a week, and if you want to, like some type of deal like that but yeah i don't know we'll have to uh we'll have to wait and see uh one other thing before we get into the DAC contract uh yesterday uh sad news out of cleveland but uh calves legendary calves broadcaster truly an icon i would say an nba announcing he uh is was inducted into the uh, hall of fame in 2010 with their media award 
but it was a Joe Tate, the first ever Cavs broadcaster. He called games from 1970 until 2011, and he missed a couple seasons in, I think, the late 90s, early 80s. Whenever Ted Stepien owned the team, Ted Stepien, the worst, probably has to be the worst owner in sports history. The rule, he has an own rule for himself in the NBA right now, um, which is you cannot trade consecutive first-round picks. That is the Stepien rule. That is Cavs owner, former Cavs owner Ted Stepien. Truly a terrible owner from everything that I've read and like talked to my dad and everything like that. But uh, so when he was hired, Joe Tate, he – uh, didn't call the first eight games of the season because they were looking for a guy. And then uh, Mitch Fitch, the first coach, knew of uh, knew him, whatever. He sent a letter. And then uh, Joe Tate got the job, and he called the Cavs games until 2011. Uh, he passed away. He was 84. He had cancer. He had he, a blood clot. There were a lot, he had a lot of health issues towards the end. But he was a, a, a legend of, uh, of radio. And he... He did not have a color analyst. There were a couple of years I think he had a color guy in there, but it was all him by himself for for most of the ride. He also called Indians games. I never heard him do an Indians game. I've heard highlights, but never heard him do an Indians. He did those in the '80s. But uh, yeah, a tough a tough day. Joe Joe Tate was. I uh, I said or I tweeted at one of the uh, media guys in Cleveland. He. They did DiGiorno pizza live reads like towards the end of the game or like, oh, time to get he, – he, he would do a DiGiorno pizza live read like nobody else. I remember that. His signature was wham with the right hand. Uh, and then, yeah, it was uh, – he was great announcer, great announcer. But, yeah, so sad to see him uh, uh, pass away yesterday. But uh, a pleasure to be able to listen, hear him call basketball and like hearing people – Talk about him, especially Terry, Terry Pluto, who's a writer. And if you're a basketball fan, you should go read his book, Loose Balls. Um, but he was, which I thought was interesting, he was a broadcaster first, sports fan second. So when you're, you, you're like, oh, why would he say, why would he say like that? Whatever he would call, he called like Mount, Mount Union football. I guess he would call like uh, high school girls basketball games as well. He was focused on the broadcasting. So whatever whatever game I was doing and the Cavs had a lot of lean years there. Like he was calling that game. Like it was, he was a broadcaster. That was the game that he was excited to call. And you would never know every game was his last, I guess, as you could say it, but he was, he was great. Uh, yeah. So just, uh, I know I'm rambling, but the sad, uh, a sad, sad time for Cleveland. Cleveland has had a couple of iconic or like local guys that have, um, had a, a lot of impact on people. Les Levine was a local sports talk radio guy. Started like the first all sports talk station. He died like a month ago. And then on Saturday, Michael Stanley, who uh, was the, the Michael Stanley band. He was a, uh, as people would call him, Bruce Springsteen light or the Bruce Springsteen of Cleveland, but could never really make it. They can never really make it big nationally for some reason. So he DJed in Cleveland, did that. He passed away on Saturday. So a lot of people, uh, especially for my dad's like generation, they're losing a lot of uh, people they grew up with, uh, um, who they uh, grew up with here. But yeah, sad for Joe Tate, especially and Les Levine and uh, Michael Stanley as well. Michael Stanley uh, does the "Here We Go Again" Brown song when they came back in 1999 that I uh, love. So disappointed we couldn't get a remake before he passed away. Yeah, heavy stuff. <laughs> I mean, I have. I, mean, I, I know, know what, you know. I'm supposed to follow up with. No, nothing. But uh, just wanted to say that Joe Tate was. Uh, it was great, and like former Cavs players were tweeting. LeBron was tweeting about it. Steve Kerr mentioned his favorite call and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, sad. But uh, all right, the big news on Monday after we got off the air, or Monday evening, was that the Cowboys finally got a deal done with Dak Prescott. It is a four-year deal. Technically, it's a six-year deal, but two voidable, two voidable years. So we call it a four-year deal. Um, at 164 million total, with that is with the performance escalators, with the guaranteed money, comes out to be about 123 million dollars. 
and he's making $75 million in the first year. His, his cap hit, if they, his dead money is a $95 million this year. So if they decide to cut him, which or not, it'd be 95, million, which is an insane number. But look, Dak didn't cave, and he was always big on, I want four years, I want four years, because he's going to hit the market again when he's 30, 31, and another big payday. And this is what he wanted, and he he won. You could say he won the negotiations, and the Cowboys are – look, you had to sign the guy. You had to sign him. He was your quarterback. You're probably not going to get a better option out there right now. So you had to do this, but as we've been talking about for two, three years now, they should have done it last year. They should have done it after 2018, and they wouldn't have had to pay him $40 million a year. They would have paid him – 28 to 30 million a year, 25 to 30 a year. Yeah, no, they finally got the deal done. Like you said, this something they had to, they had to do. Um, but uh, it's, it's crazy. I, between the, the franchise tag and like you said, the money he's making the last 15 month span, he's made like $106 million, which is just, I mean, talk about a good run. I mean, golly, you just, you retire on that. But uh, like I said, if they would have done it after 2018, he would have been locked in for much, much cheaper. They tried to do it after 2019, and he said, no, thanks. Uh, you know, I'm probably going to be able to get more than just the 33 or 35 that they were offering him at the time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, g- good for both sides. I think Jerry's little backhanded compliments uh, numerous times where he said, you know, most of the things that have worked out in his favor, he's overpaid for. And uh, something to the effect of uh, there aren't too many people – uh, living or not too many people that are breathing that have taken advantage of him the way Dak has or something something to that effect. So I think this was, uh, you know, Jerry was a little reluctant to hand out this contract. Uh, this is the right contract that he probably should have handed out, though, versus the Zeke one. So, uh, you know, if, if he should have any regrets on any contract, it's definitely that one. But, hey, the, the, the Cowboys have their guy for the next four years, and uh, we get to do it all again once he's up again, uh, like I said, in the, in the next four years. But uh, this is a deal they had to get done. It'll be interesting to see down the line what they're able to do and how they're able to maneuver um, cap space. Obviously, the cap will go up after after uh, dropping so much this year. But it'll uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what kind of gymnastics they're able to pull. But like I said, and like you said, you know, it's kind of reiterating. There's not going to be a better option out there, and you definitely don't want them to just see him walk away for nothing. Uh, so you had to you had to pay the guy, and it's just the going rate. I mean, the next guys up are going to make more than him, and then you know when he's up for his contract again, he's going to get ma- he's going to make even more. So it's just the going rate for a starting quarterback right now, and especially a good one. Um, but uh, you know, good for good for both sides. Good for Dak for getting that bag. Yeah, and then the the, the if he if Dak thought that the expectations placed on him were harsh, rough now him signing the deal takes it to a whole nother, like a whole nother level mm-hmm. because people were criticizing him for every missed overthrow. When we got, when you got in the heat of the moment of the, um, of the contract in like 2018 of this and that. And we were, we were, we were, um, in the mix there doing that. But the, the criticisms are going to are going to be like oh now you sign this deal you you have to take it you take us to the super bowl like this is a deal that you if dak doesn't make a if the cowboys don't make a super bowl with dak at the quarterback i you have to, i think you have to call this a failure i and i know the defense is horrible i understand that but you don't you you've won one playoff game with them on a rookie deal and your team looked like it was set up to be a perennial NFC contender, and it hasn't. Yeah, that hasn't materialized for whatever it is, the coaching. And then last year, we thought they were going to play well. Then Dak got injured and then went to garbage. We got McCarthy. Like, everything is in place for them to make the runs that, that, that Jerry and the fan base expects them to make. And now they all have to perform, and and they need to perform. They they restructured Zach Martin and uh, Tyron Smith and another guy's contract yesterday. Wow, Collins. Up, Collins, yes, Collins, to free up another 19 million in cap space. And they need to attack the defensive side of the ball when it comes to the cap. Like the defense was horrific last year; they couldn't stop anybody. 
and they need to go. They haven't spent big money in free agency really at all lately. Yeah, last year they made some like one-year deals, two-year deals. They got Gerald McCoy, but he's 33. Don Terry Poe, those two were terrible. They didn't even make it the full season. With the t- well, Gerald McCoy got hurt, but um, Don Terry Poe got cut in the middle of the season. Like all the guys they signed in free agency last year were total flops. Like let's. You got to address those and they got to be good spendings. And sometimes, you know what? You got to spend money, even if it's short two, three year deals where you can, hey, maybe we front load it this year or next year. We, we, we back load it to the next two when we know the cap's going up. Like the salary cap honestly really doesn't, it doesn't exist in a way because the Saints are like $65 million over the cap. And they're, yes, they're cutting a lot of guys, but they've extended the franchise tag to Marcus William. Like, if you're $65 million over the cap, how are you able to give a franchise tag out? So you got to spend money on the defense. And it, it's there. It's there. You're the best team in the worst division in football. Like, clear cut. They are the best team out there, head and shoulders above Washington, Philadelphia, and New York. Like they should win the division going away this year with the team that they have. And you sh- they should host a playoff game and potentially get a bye because the other teams are so bad that you're looking at potentially five or six. You should, this division is so bad. They should look at five or six wins. They're so much better than everybody else in the division. And that sets you up for maybe you get the bye. depending. There's only one bye, but depending if you, how you do against the other teams in the, uh, on your schedule, they should be contenders for the Super Bowl going forward. Yeah, no, I think you're overstating it quite a bit there. Um, until they attack that defense, until they make some moves on the defense, there's no way in hell that you can say that they're uh, Super Bowl contenders with that defense right now. I mean, they they got more holes in that defense than a block of Swiss cheese. Like they there's they can't cover anybody. They can't really get after the quarterback uh, well. And even the guys that they do have, the Jalen Smiths, the Leighton Vanderesh's, the guys that they did pay and the guys that they did give contracts to, they can't rely on them to stay on the field and stay healthy. So I think you're overstating it quite a bit. Offensively, absolutely. Offensively, they're probably just as good as anybody in the NFC, the entire conference. But until they show up that defense, and this is the this is the year, this is a season, if any, that guys are probably willing to take maybe a one-year deal or a two-year deal for a little less money than they nor- than they normally would because of the cap situation and all the guy- and all the cuts we're having to see because people are trying to maneuver around the uh, the lower cap uh, cap number. So until they do that, and if they do do that, because they like you said they had the chance last year, they had guys like Everson Griffin, they had some some guys that looked like they were going to be difference makers, and then like you said, most of them didn't even make it the the entire season. They end up trading away Everson Griffin, Don Terry Poe. Uh, Gerald McCoy gets injured. I think he got injured in preseason, didn't he? No, McCoy did. Don Terry Poe got cut with Everson. Right, yeah, no, that's, yeah, no that, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, McCoy. Yeah, McCoy got got uh, got injured in the preseason. So, you know, they, they, they attempted it. Let's see if they can go back to it this year. But I think, like I said, I think if, if they do have any shot to um, just make a run at it for this year, maybe next year, they can do, you know, one year, maybe two year deal with an extra option, something like that on the defensive side. Cause there's a ton of guys that are getting cut a lot of good veterans that still have a lot of good football left in them getting cut because of the cap gymnastics teams are having to do. But uh, uh, you know, it, like I said, that, that extra 17 or 19 million, whatever it was that they freed up, they needed to spend it wisely. Make sure that it's not going to just two guys. Maybe he's trying to spread it around to, you know, with uh, three guys, maybe four if you can. Now, I don't know if you're able to find guys that will make a huge difference at that low of a cap number, but you got you to do something because, like you said, the expectations are only getting higher and are only going to get more and more from the fan base and from Jerry with this contract. But until you surround Dak with a better team defensively, uh, you know, and, and he's the quarterback, so he's going to get the brunt of everything. But until you put a better product on the field defensively, uh, being Super Bowl contenders is is light years away. But that's why you can spend this year. You have the money to spend. And it's not spending on guys that are past 30, like your main guys, as we just mentioned, McCoy and Griffin. Both of those guys were over 30. Like, you could spend on guys that are in their 20s. Like, we're looking at safeties. Trey Boston from Carolina, pretty good player, got released. Two to three million, they're estimating him on the athletic. Ke- uh, Keanu Neal from Atlanta, 25. Malik Hooker, 25. Those guys, about five million a year. Yeah, I would say Allen or Neal and Hooker, I'd be a little weary of them because they're they get injured and they get injury they're injury prone. Like Trey Boston, sign like sign him up. That will improve it. You have the draft too. You have a top ten pick. You can improve the draft with, hey, we could get another corner, Patrick Sertan or uh, Caleb Fairley. Those guys seem like pretty two good cornerbacks in there. And then you could focus on 
on uh, on getting some edge rushers, which there's going to be a ton of guys uh, free when it comes to edge guys and the defensive line guys. Um, and maybe that's when you take a shot at like a 33-year-old. I'm not saying they're going to sign him, but like the, the Ryan Kerrigan type of he's 33, take a little less, um, and still got something left in the take. Like that, that type of guy. Like when I say Super Bowl contenders, like you have a chance here to strike – you are lucky that you have cap space this year. If you have cap space, you're lucky because you could take advantage of everybody else cutting some really good players and snatching th- them up at a cheaper value. So this is when you got to strike. And then when you do improve that defense, then, which we, th- which we assume that they're going to do, then the Super Bowl I don't think is unrealistic. If I'm projecting them that they're going to make good signings in free agency and they have a plan going forward where they can improve. Because here's the thing about the defense. The defense was so bad last year. It's like what happened when the Chiefs uh, lost in the AFC championship game to the Patriots. Yes, I know the offense is a different animal. But their defense was like 29th or 30th in the league. If you just get to 15th, that's a huge improvement, and then you're going to go places. Like the Cowboys were in the bottom half, 30 31, 32, 29, like that range. You get to 50, you get to 17, 16, 17, 18. That's a huge improvement, and that's going to make the team exponentially better. So you just we're, we're not you don't even need to be a top half of the league defense. You just need to be better than like the worst defense in franchise history, like 17th or 18th in the league, and the results are going to be, I think, fairly significant on how good they're going to be because the offense while Dak was in there was the best offense in the NFL. Yes, they put themselves um, behind the eight ball a ton, but they are going to be, we think, as prolific as they are, as they were in the first four games last year when they were putting up 40 points and everything like that. Yeah, there's no reason to think otherwise. No, I agree there that that offense was humming. And like you said, it was the best in the league before he went down. And so you'd hope that they just pick up where they left off. But uh uh, not like I, I'm not trying to be a homer here, but I just want to bring up kind of this example too. So Washington, you I mean you said how how much better uh, Dallas was than everybody in their division, which you know again that that can be argued one way or the other. Washington has a top two defense. Their offense, they're they're pretty much the opposite of what of what the Cowboys were. Their offense was like a bottom three. So if they get to that 15, 16 offense, what's stopping them from winning four or five games in the division, like you're saying, the Cowboys? So, see, there's too many factors right now from saying that, you know, just go ahead and pencil them in. They, they are, you're right. They just have to make a small improvement on defense, and they'll be, uh, you know, one, do a complete 180. But so that, that's why it's tough right now, for, you know, as we sit here in March saying that, hey, Dak – you got you got your contract. You're you're signed up for the next four years. Now you got some cap room. Let's go ahead and pencil them in for hosting a playoff game and making a Super Bowl run. It's tough to do that right now. And I know we're probably splitting hairs here, one way or the other. But he, until they until I see the Cowboys and Jerry Jones make the right decision in free agency, I'm going to hold off on Super Bowl aspirations for them. They absolutely have the the potential to with the right signings, going in the right direction, bringing in the right guys, having a good draft, obviously. But until they do that. You know, let's let's get to August, September and see where they're at as far as this roster goes. And then we can start, you know, kind of uh, projecting where they might end up. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I probably got a little ahead of myself, but (laughs) it's like, who's Washington having a quarterback? Cam, a rookie like. You still got to score. And like Jalen Hurts, I'm not believing like it's clear cut that Dak will be the best quarterback in the division. I don't oh, really know. Yeah, you're not going to get it. You're not going to I don't really know who Washington can get that I would think I don't know who's out there who they could get. But like I Dak is a top 10 quarterback in the league and until that changes, I'll take the best quarterback in the division to cover up some of the issues with the rest of the with with the rest of the team. That's fair. I mean, I, that's fair. I mean, that's that's the the quarterback is the position of the NFL, the premier position. You got a good quarterback, you got a pretty good chance to win. So you know, you're again won't get too many push too much pushback for me there. Yeah, and like the Giants have a great defense, but they got Daniel Jones as a quarterback, and look what happened when he him and Colt McCoy were were around when they were playing terrible when when Daniel Jones came back. Like, if you can't score, you could say, hey, we only need to like. 
I go back. This is the example I would use. Say, like the Browns against the Giants. The Browns scored 20 points in that game. The Giants scored, I think, three or six. Like, it was... They knew that the the Giants knew they could not score 20 points. So if you go into a game knowing that, like they're like, how is this team going to score? Not even because your defense is really good. The Browns defense against the Giants was not very good. They had a ton of guys out. Like that's just you're at such an advantage if you're if you just know you're going to be able to, hey, at a minimum, we're going to be able to score 20 points. and We got to hold the team under that. It's a huge advantage you have. And I would say if the Cowboys score under 20 points next year with Dak as a quarterback, I would be fairly surprised in a game that, say, if they're on the road, that's not weather-related. Like, yeah, if weather comes in, then it'd be an issue. But I don't really see how they don't score less than 20 without Dak. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, no, it'll absolutely be a prolific offense. And as long as that offensive line stays healthy, and they got to get better production out out of Zeke this year. But if not, you know, Tony Pollard looked like he was a – a uh, more than uh, capable running back uh, to take the lead, take the lead and take the load of the carries for the Cowboys too. Yeah. So this is, they finally got done. And then the thing with the contract too, with that contract is that they can't franchise him again. Um, That's part of it. They tagged him this time. So they cannot franchise him again. That's part of it. A no trade clause also in there. It's honestly a great deal. It's 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 a fantastic deal for Dak. He pretty much got everything he wanted. Um, so I don't really know what the Cowboys win in this negotiation, other than giving him a bunch of money and maybe the public perception of Dak and the criticism going to a level that maybe they hope play. I I don't really know what the Cowboys were thinking in this. Uh, in this situation, but, uh, but yeah. And then elsewhere in the NFL, look, the non, the non tampering period starts on Monday. Um, so we'll start to get some names coming out for the Cowboys and free agency. We obviously mentioned, I mentioned a couple safeties there that they could look at and a ton of guys are going to be getting cut. Like we saw the chiefs today, cut Eric Fisher and, um, Mitchell, Mitchell Schwartz. Schwartz, their top two tackles, ton of like. There's you're gonna. I was surprised. I guess they cut Mitchell Schwartz or they cut Eric Fisher. That one seemed pretty surprising to me. But you're gonna be seeing a lot of names out there. As we just talked about, this is a time where you can, you can, uh, you can make some moves. You can you can snatch up some good players. So. We'll see what they can uh, what they can do because they can spend you can spend money on guys. There there are guys out there where you're like, hey, you know what? You can we can break the bank on a couple of them and still have still have money left over. So we'll have to see how it all plays out. But this is uh, this is a good time to be having cap space. No, for sure, absolutely. And like you said, you know, where you can. I also feel like teams, they'll get in trouble if they feel like, hey, you know, things might be a little bit tighter. So maybe we should, we don't need to spend the money on this guy. Like if you if there's a guy that you need that you want, go and get him because this is going to be the time that, I, like I said, that you can that you can do it and maybe do it on a short deal where, uh, you know, you just have them locked up for a year or two where you're just kind of trying to make a quick run at it. And then you can reload once the draft goes back or excuse me, once the cap goes back up. Yeah, well, here's the thing about the whole salary cap. The owners are amazing. What they did of having the salary cap go down, what, $8, $8 million this year? What was 195 last year? goes down to like 187. No, it went down 182. 182, sorry. This is the biggest scam I've seen in professional sports. The, you're, so you're telling me, you know what? Maybe let's not go in the pocket. Let's, we don't want to go into our pockets so much that we're going to drop the cap 10, whatever, $13 million, whatever it was, because we lost ticket revenue. You had TV money, you had merchandise, and the only thing you didn't have was full capacity stadiums. Some people had 15%, 20%, the Cowboys had 50%, some had no fans. So the only thing everybody kind of lost together was not having full attendance. So you're telling me that's why the cap is going down? That's the only thing of money you didn't make. I, this is the biggest. The owners are amazing. And I'm surprised people always go to defense of the owners. But this was this this lowering the cap because we didn't make um, 
we didn't make ticket money is I mean unbelievable. Just credit to the owners for for finding a way to screw over the players every chance they can get cuz this one this was this was something else this year I thought. Yeah, um I'm trying to think who it was that wrote a uh that wrote an article that I read just last week. Um and it was about the CBA agreement that they came up with uh, a couple years ago. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was pretty much just who could who could screw the other more. Could the players screw the, the owners more? Could the owners try to screw the players more? It ended up being the owners. But, uh, you know, you can kind of – look, the TV money is always going to be there. They're probably going to get even more TV money when it comes up. But, you know, as far well, as ticket are. sales – as as far as ticket sales, you know, then that goes into concessions, it goes into merchandise, things like that. So, you know, you can't just point the finger at just uh, losing the ticket sales because you do, you are losing a lot more, uh, and you know, and you're still having to pay all the uh, all the uh, stadium workers and things like that. So, look, I, I I don't I don't disagree with the cap going down now. Maybe it going down this much, you know, that that could probably be questioned. But when you're not making as much money the prior year. Yeah. You're not going to want to spend more. Uh, cause I mean, at the end of the day, this is a business as much as we all love watching the game. It is a business. And these owners are businessmen, uh, trying to, trying to save their, 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 like you said, they don't want to go in their pockets. They're trying to save their pocketbooks as much as possible. So, uh, you know, you're not going to get any, any argument for me of this cap going down. Now the, the owners crying poor. Now that's, that's when you're like, come on, bro. How are you defending the owners right here? I'm not defending the owners. Yes, you I'm are. Just saying, you just I'm, said I'm defending I can see the, why cap, the cap went defend, down. Yeah, that's it. Because the owners don't want to spend more money. They don't want to they won't even take a loss if they just keep they don't even need to make the cap go up. Just say we're going to flatten it. They Fox, NBC, and CBS are all doubling their yearly payments for the NFL when the new contract gets announced in the next week. That's going to $2 billion from those three stations. ESPN is paying a boatload of money because they're going on ABC to get Super Bowls. Like They're getting that next year. So they could just flatten the cap and say, look at all this windfall of the monies, of the money we're getting. Like ESPN paid $2 billion this year. That's going up to three. And I think ABC, CBS, or uh, CBS, Fox, and NBC—they paid 1.2 billion for in this old TV deal. That's going up to 2.2 billion over per year for the next 10 years. They're splitting. The 32 teams are splitting like three billion dollars. So, and, and and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna say we need the cap to go down? This is unbelievable. Like this is this is unbelievable. I can't believe you're falling for this right now. Okay. I mean, that's, uh, I literally just said that when you're not making as much money, you're not going to want to spend as much. Cause why it's a business. Don't, don't get mad at me. Don't give me, I can't believe you're falling for this right now. That's in the collective bargaining agreement that the players signed, that the players agree to that. The owners are able to, to uh, lower the cap if, if, if they feel the, if they feel necessary. So it's not me talk about these players that, that agreed to it. I'm not siding with the owners. I'm just saying it makes sense. If you're not making as much money, you're not going to want to spend more money or spend the same amount of money as you did when you were still making more money. Look, I understand. I get the money that the, they're getting from the TV deals is going to be astronomical. I get that. And that and then the cap's going to go back up. We'll probably be looking at a salary cap maybe over $200 million when it's, yes. you know, when it's down to down to around 180, maybe even, you know, 205, 210. Like it's it's going to continue to go up after this year. So I think one year of this is not that big of an issue when we saw how much revenue they lost or how much revenue they didn't bring in. Uh, it's not that big of a deal. It makes sense from a number side. You you can't disagree with that. It makes sense from a number side. Sure, it makes sure. I'm not. I'm my the whole okay, thing. That, that was my point. That was my point. Is that it makes sense from a number side. That was all my point was. Then I start off the thing of saying the salary cap going down. Yeah, fine. But the owners saying that it's going down because they don't have money or we've lost all this revenue. You lost ticket sales and you lost concessions. I think there's a ton of other stuff that that makes up for uh, that would you would be fine without without the cap going down. And yes, look, the players association, they never get good deals. Okay. They, they never um, negotiate well when it comes to the CBA, they're always at fault for whatever they do. They, they need to, they need to try and get as much as they can, but then here's now players, um, players, uh, 
life expectancy in the NFL is so small, and this cap slash comes in there that's just affecting their life. Yes, we didn't under we didn't know a year long pandemic was going to happen. We did not know that back uh, in March and what was going to happen. But these players, they're 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 going to be left holding the bag again when they're putting themselves how they always are when when the owners are coming. And that's why I just think the whole the whole salary cap going down is and 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 if there actually is a salary cap, it's just all working a book, an imaginary number that really doesn't exist of how much we, we want to spend on our players' contracts. Well, if you go back, remember after the lockout or when they were, uh, uh, when they were negotiating the new players, uh, the CBA, there was supposed to be an uncapped year. And so owners were spending wildly. They were spending a, a bunch of money. And then all of a sudden the league year starts and like, hey, actually the cap's here. So the Cowboys, Washington, a couple teams got penalized for going over the cap when it was supposed to be an uncapped year. So, I mean, you can't, you know, they're, they're, it, it's, it, there's two sides to each coin. And so even when the owners go out and try to spend the extra money because they're like, hey, look, we don't have a cap. It's going to be an uncapped year. You know, and then they end up getting uh, bit in the ass because of it. And it's like, whoa, what the hell? We were just told we could spend however much money we wanted to. And now the cap goes down because they didn't make as much money or they, they weren't bringing in as much money. Then you're going to say, oh, these these owners are crying poor. Look, I, I'm never going to be one that, that defends the owners or defends the teams versus the players. I'm not. But like I, all I was saying was from the number side, it makes sense. But the owners crying poor and saying, oh, we didn't make this much money. You know, if, if the cap doesn't go down, I'm going to lose this team type of deal. That's when you're like, OK, come on. This is obviously bullshit. This is obviously not not the case. Uh, but they're going to take advantage of the one year that they don't have to spend as much. Again, from a number standpoint, doesn't it make sense? And, and uh, I'm not one to argue with it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, but I still think I don't think it's. Um... I agree with you with saying that if they could have just flattened it and just said, hey, look, we're going to have the same cap as last year. I think that would have been perfectly. I think both sides would, you know, maybe not have loved it. Owners probably wouldn't have loved it. But still, like I said, I think that would have been 100 percent fair across the board. Yeah. I, I just think they should have you have to you can't make it so blatantly that you're that you're you're pinching your pennies when it comes to this when players are out here actually risking more than what you're at and they all they're always going to risk more so that's where they're where that's where they're at all right Monday we'll talk about more of the uh, free agency all right to the Rangers you want to know an owner that cares all about the money and doesn't care about even fan safety Let's look to the neighbors of the Cowboys. And this is the Texas Rangers. So they said they're announcing for opening day, opening day and the two exhibition games before opening day that they're going to allow full capacity. And then after that, which is I'm, I'm a little confused on this. After that, they're going to have socially distant sections of the stadium, specific sessions, sections that are socially distanced. Um, and then I guess they will go from there. Obviously, masks, they said masks will be required. And their big thing is we are putting trust in the Rangers fans that they will follow these guidelines. I could tell you, they're not going to follow the guidelines. And this is just, again, I, you're, you're making business. You're, 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 you're in the business of making money and you got this new ballpark you want to show off. You want to have the first open, or the second opening day with it with all the pomp and circumstances, but maybe we just say, hey, if you're vaccinated or fully vaccinated, we will allow those people to come and watch the game, show us your vaccination card, and we'll do full capacity that way instead of potentially having a super spreader event when, if you want full capacity. If not, open it up to 50% still, and then just play the game until the end of May, middle of May, when more people in the state get, get vaccinated to open up the full capacity. But from the jump, I this is, I mean, you clearly see what they're going to do, and I just think this is a, a ridiculous move. Are you going to go to any games this season? Well, I go to, yeah, I'll probably go to some games, but I'm not going to go in April. So you, but you're saying you would wait, you'd wait until, until, like you said, more people are, are vaccinated or whatever. Yeah. So you're looking June or July, maybe August, something like that. For sure. If the Indians don't come till October, I'll go to that. But more people are going to get, here's the whole thing. More people are going to be able to get vaccinated by the end of April. Like you're only, I'm only asking for you not to have, have a hundred percent or 75% or whatever until like April or May of what it looks like. 
So, so yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a fair point. So you're saying you're choosing not to go before April. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. That's your choice. I, I, don't, I don't see, I don't see if look, if they want to open it up to hundred percent, they can open up to hundred percent. Masks are, are going to be required to get in. And if people want to go, they'll go. If they don't, they won't. I mean, I, I, again, we're, we're at this point now we talked about it. We're a year into it now. Everyone knows the risks. Everyone knows the responsibilities that they have to take in order to stay clear of the virus. If you're vaccinated, awesome. Then you have even, you know, you were, you were fortunate enough to, to be able to take the extra step of, of most people. But if you feel that you're okay going and you feel like you're, if you're not experiencing any symptoms, if whatever they're doing, any kind of pre-screening process and you're good to go, then go for it. But like I, it's we're a year into it. Like it's, it, it is what it is. Like you said, more people are going to start getting vaccinated and they, they assume with the, with more vaccinations going to be herd immunity. But if you don't want to go before more people are vaccinated or you don't want to go into April, perfect. Then don't, if people want to go and they want to open up to a hundred percent and they want to go while it's at a hundred percent, perfect. Then go. You went to a, a playoff game back in October. I went to a, a world series game in October. Yeah. Was it socially distanced? Yeah, it was. Was everybody wearing their mask a hundred percent of the time? No, you had a guy right by you that wasn't doing it. So I don't see what the difference is between then. It's a difference now between there's because- 11, thousand people in the stadium and not 40,000 people in the stadium. That's I mean, the difference. it is what, okay. That is what it is. And you still made the choice to go. You still made the conscious decision to go. You still made the conscious decision of, Hey, I'm going to go. There's 11,000 people who, I mean, who cares if it's 11,000, 40,000, 1,500, you know, what, what does it matter? If, if somebody has a virus or if somebody's going to be contagious, they're going to be contagious. Does, does the number of people that come in contact with them lower? Sure. But guess what? There's still going to be people that are going to be infected by it. So at this point, I think it, you know, it, uh, you know, the, the mask mandate was lifted yesterday in Texas. I'm probably going to still wear a mask when I go out into public. And so that's, and again, so it's giving people the option of if, if they choose to or not to. So if, if you want to go, go, if you don't, then stay home and wait until you feel more comfortable. That's my take on this. But what about say the workers that work at the stadium that maybe can't get vaccinated or they're at high risk and they're like, man, you know what? It's been hard for me to find a job. I've got this job back. I want to go, but I'm worried about going because there's going to be 40,000 people at this, at this, uh, at this event, but they need that. They need the job. Like you double mask it. You double mask it. You do everything that you, you, like I said, everybody, everybody knows, everybody knows the responsibilities that they need to take. Everybody knows the responsibilities they need to take to not get infected with the virus or if they're high risk or whatever the situation may be. Not everything's going to be fair across the board. Not everybody's going to have the same luxury as everybody else across the board. So it is what it is like. That's life. Sorry. It's, it's, you know, it's the unfortunate truth ahead of your workers that work at the stadium if you can't work there then you then you shouldn't if you, if you feel like you're at risk and you shouldn't it, this is my point is you leave it up to the the personal person of what their decision is and if you if that's the only job you can get well then i don't know what to tell you like that's tough again it's life not everybody's supposed to have everything the same across the board that's just the way it is and so you leave leave the decision up to whoever the person is and if they want to if they want to go they can go if they want to work they can work if they don't then don't that's what i'm saying you can't make everything fair across the board. It's literally impossible. That's fine. But my whole point is, why don't you just wait until like the end of April to say we're having 100%? Because I really don't think it matters one way or the other, to be fair, to, to, to be honest. I, I really don't think it matters whether you wait to the end of April an extra three or four weeks. Like, I understand what you're saying about more people be vaccinated. But again, it really, I, I really don't think it matters one way How or the other. How do you not say it's not going to matter if more people can get vaccinated? We've seen these vaccines that there's the, the, the hospitalization rate and the infected rate of people 65 and plus is plummeting because these vaccines work. And, and, and just you could just wait and just three weeks that's like 12 games to 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 and anyways who's gonna you're gonna tell me you're, you do they think the rangers are really gonna sell out every other game after opening day i know people want to go see the ballpark but that team out there is gonna be garbage they're not people aren't gonna go see that and okay yeah, so it, then it's not gonna be forty thousand people there no, okay no, so that's why they're, oh, that's okay, why they're great. having open Hold on. But this is this is the craziest logic around. You say, hey, for opening day, we're having max, capa- max capacity and then we're having socially distanced sections starting game two. Why don't you just have socially distanced sections starting from game one? Why does it have to change from opening day to game two? Because you know you're going to make more money on game one than you are game two. Like you're the Rangers themselves are 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 splitting hairs and, and doing all this stuff are just are just playing mental gymnastics with themselves. That I can agree with. That I can agree with. Like it, we, they, it probably would be a smarter idea just to do it from the jump and just do it from game one. 
So, I mean, it's, it's very clear and obvious what they are trying to do here. Like I said, it's a, it's a cash grab. They're trying to see how much money they can get that opening day. Um, and so, you know, it, it doesn't make much sense. It would make more sense for them to have the socially distanced uh, sections from, from game one and not postpone it to game two. That's, that part makes it look, I don't know if shady is the right word, but That's just. That's my whole point with the whole thing, too, is, is how can you say, sorry, but you're all 100% game one, but we're not going to be 100% game two. No, 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 no. You're just saying we want more money. Just just come out and say, hey, you know yeah. what? We want money. We're we like to cry poor as owners because we we feel like we just fleeced over the city of Arlington for this new stadium. We like to cry poor on everything and and we want max capacity for opening day, but then after that we'll do socially distanced sections. Like just these sleaze bag owners over there. These guys, these guys are terrible. Terrible. Yeah, no, I mean that like I said, that I can agree with. That I can agree with. Just just do just start it from game one. That's that's a hundred percent agree there. Yeah, because they're they're flip flopping right from the jump. They're yeah. flip flopping right from the start. All right, do you have anything else before we leave? Because I gotta go. Um, I, no, we can we can talk about it off air. But I was watching uh, the, the, just one real quick thing. No wonder the friggin' the I words, the Cleveland baseball team are able and willing to just give up these pitchers left and right, like Clevenger and obviously Kluber was at the end of his. But uh, I was watching uh, what's this guy's name, Karen Chak. Yeah. He's fucking filthy. Yeah, he is. You got Tristan McKenzie, uh, you know, and obviously Bieber's still there, but it's just, it's, I mean, you guys got like an embarrassment of riches as far as pitchers go. That's all I wanted to bring up. Oh, like I said, we could talk about that off air, but. Uh, well, according to MLB.com's tweet, we don't have one of the 10 best rotations in baseball. There's a lot of good rotations in baseball. But come on. Like, I mean, you know, like one of the 10 best. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look at it across the board, but I mean, the, like, I, I think, I think there's probably like, there's probably like 12 or 13 ones that are like really good. You know what I mean? So, I mean, being 10 might actually be like being five, you know what I mean? Like, like you finish, you finish with the fifth best score in a golf tournament, you say, but you're tied for 12th or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Would you say the Yankees have the fourth best rotation in baseball? They have a potential to actually have a, a much better rotation. But fourth best, that might be a little high. Well, that's what they were on the list. That might be a little high. I would agree. Garrett Cole puts them number four. We got the Cy yeah. Young Award winner from last year. We're not even on the list. And, like, I understand we're expecting leaps or continued success from Plesak. Savali hopefully makes a turn or continues what he was doing. And then McKenzie, uh, Logan Allen. I don't even know who else. Like the Carrasco loss for the Indians really doesn't do anything for them. He was, he's a, he's an average pit. He was he was average, which I I love Carrasco, but he was just he was an average pitcher. Um, but yeah, I thought, I mean, they should have been in the top ten. The problem is they're not going to be able to score four runs this year. So, um, but at least yeah, you have no, Lindor hitting the middle of that lineup, huh? At least you have Lindor hitting in the middle of that. Well, lineup. Lindor sandbagged last year. Do you see that? <laughs> no. Oh, he comes out and say after he got traded, yeah, I didn't put the fullest of effort in the in the weight room. Um, but yeah, just just I mean, I don't Lindor's doing this stuff when he's talking to the Mets media or whatever. That's just like, why are you saying this? Mm-hmm. He's saying like I didn't like. I thought the people in Cleveland were pretty unoriginal when they just called me Frankie. Bro, you could have said we got another nickname. Like people. Klub, Corey Kluber told people, I, I don't like Klubot. People stop calling him Klubot in Cleveland. It's pretty simple. Just say you don't like Frankie. We won't call you Frankie. Like Francona called him that. All the players, like news to those guys that he didn't like being called Frankie. And it's like, no, nah, I'm not going in the gym. No wonder why he was terrible last year. He wasn't putting his full effort in. I, I mean, I understand. But, I mean, it's just a little disappointing. Yeah. It's not like we really put him in a, in a, in a place to succeed. But, I mean... I think everybody knew he was going to get traded at the end of the year. So let's just go balls out for one more year. And he just, mm-hmm. I mean, I think he had a, his, his fiance or girlfriend was pregnant as well. So a lot of stuff off the field where, where uh, Francisco was, uh, was distracted last year. And also I think these Indians doctors where you brought them up. So Clevenger has Tommy John. So he's out this year, traded him right after. And then he had Tommy John. Carrasco has something in the elbow. Something with these Indians. Look, we might not be able to detect a pitching coach that is uh, potentially sexual harassing 
uh, making an uncomfortable workplace environment and having extramarital affairs outside. But we can detect a pitcher when he's got elbow issues, and we'll sh- ship his ass out of there in a heartbeat. <laughs> hey, if you can't have one, you might as well have the other. Oh, yeah, I know. I don't know which one you want to have, but uh, <laughs> but uh, that is that. Um, all right, there's one thing I want to bring up, but it's got to be quick. Did you see the tweet going around of the United States $50 million thing? Yes. How – first, how many – how much – do you, so it's can you get fifty? Can you name all fifty? Or can you locate all fifty states on the map? It's blank. You got a million dollars for each one. You're right. How much are you getting? I did it yesterday, and I'm probably giving up around twenty five or thirty just to make sure because like the like I I have everything on the west coast is good. Right up the middle is good, but then when you start getting into the Ohio, Illinois, um, what's on the other side of Ohio? Pennsylvania, New York. Okay, okay, no, see, West okay, Virginia. So, so what's to the west of Ohio? Illinois. Okay, what's to the west of that? Wisconsin? No. No, no. West of Ohio is Indiana, then Illinois. Ah, then see north that. Of that's, that's where I get screwed is, up. Is, uh, I forgot Indiana. See, that's is, where I screw up. Because, yeah. like, I have Pennsylvania, New York, Massachusetts, Vermont. I have that whole northeast. I got the south covered. Um, I got Kentucky, Tennessee. So I'm probably just going to punt around like 30, like I said, like 30 million. And because if you miss, you don't get any, if you miss yes. one, you don't get any. So that's probably where I'm, I'm quitting. All right. You 50, you're getting 50. Yeah, 100%. Okay. And we could say, I'm also surprised at how many people like don't know where the States are at. I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm a, I like geography or I liked it growing up. So I remember it like, I'm just surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, I probably could name 30 guy. capitals, at least 30 capitals, too. Yeah. Um, but, all right, I was just curious. Yeah, no, like, we, I mean, we went, my my sixth grade teacher, I remember, we went, went made up a whole song about each, how to get through, like, each state. And I remember, like, bits and pieces of it. Um, so, I can't, like I said, I've, I've, I'm not ashamed in saying that. I'd probably, maybe 40, maybe 40 million would probably be my, my limit, but... Uh, yeah, just you know, rather safe than sorry. All right. All right. That will do it for us here on the short thing this week. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back. Uh, oh, FCS picks. Sorry. Oh. Um FC I have three. I'll go Elon plus three, Southern Illinois plus four, and Eastern Washington minus seventeen. I'm three and one on the season in FCS through two weeks. Okay. Let me pull mine up real quick here. Um I have Eastern Illinois plus two and a half. I have Jackson State minus 14 and a half. Eastern Washington minus 17. Grambling minus two and a half. Richmond minus three. Sam Houston minus two and a half. And Lehigh uh, plus seven and a half. And Delaware minus eight and a half. All right. Those are our picks for this week. We'll be back on Monday to talk about the NCAA tournament. Have a good weekend, everybody.